0: Lincoln radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There are strategic judgments that a president makes, and there are tactical judgments that You give absolute premium to the commanders on the ground to make. If a commander on the ground says, I need this resource or this move to accomplish my mission or keep my people safe, you weigh that very heavily. But when it comes to the fundamental question of whether the United States should remain in a civil war in Afghanistan with American men and women fighting and dying for a third decade, that is a presidential call, not a call by anyone at the Pentagon or the State Department of the Intelligence
1: yeah, they weren't really fighting and dying, though, is the thing. Um, really not since 2014 very much. So doesn't mean you can't get out, but the, y- your excuses need to match up with what was actually happening. That's Jake Sullivan from the State Department. Yeah, part of the explanation of that is the deal that Trump's, Trump struck with the, uh, the
0: Taliban, but that doesn't explain all of it. It was... Um, it was about as dangerous to uh to participate in training as it was to be in country for the last
1: year and a half, two years. Right. And uh well anyway, so that's a separate topic from what uh, what I wanted to get into. So uh, Jake Sullivan by the way, oh, for a couple of things. Here's some house clean, uh housekeeping. House cleaning or housekeeping? When you, either way, when you do this sort of thing, do you call it housekeeping? Let's do some yes, housekeeping. housekeeping, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. not housekeeping. Couple of, couple of
0: housekeeping items before we get started, everybody. Okay. Next house meeting's going to be at four o'clock instead of the usual three. That house sort of thing,
1: cleaning right? items would be somebody needs to get the toilet dealt with. The toilet's very dirty. <laughs> That's you a house cleaning clean item. It. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're a uh, home because we got exposed to COVID by somebody at work. So we're uh, a different. We don't. No, Joe, and I lived, Joe and I live together in an apartment. We're sitting here shoulder to shoulder. We share one cereal bowl. <laughs> we're like the monkeys. Exactly. No, we're, we're, we're in different homes, but we are at yes, home. Yes,
0: one of the team was exposed to the Wuhan lab fever. So as a precaution, uh, everybody's uh, gone to their separate
1: corners. So that Jake Sullivan there, he's an interesting dude. He uh, went to, I think it's. Oxford, Yale, and then back to Oxford again, or he went to Yale, Oxford, and back to Yale? I think it was two doses of Yale, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. he went to Yale, Oxford, then back to Yale. Anyway, I heard him one time over the weekend where he dropped his G, because he's a very um, precise speaker and clearly like just an insane brainiac, which often those people make the worst decisions, but um, mm-hmm. uh, he's just like insanely smart. And 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 he went to college when he was like 16. I mean, he's one of those people, you know. And um, I heard him drop his G once over the weekend in such a clearly intentional trying to be just a regular person guy. It came off so clunky. I mean, I, I almost spit out my uh, food as I was eating, <laughs> watching it. <laughs> People at home are watching this, and I just like, oh, come on. You've never said watching or blowing or walking in your life, and it, it's clear on the look on your face, and it was really uncomfortable for you just then to try to try to do the whole, I'm just a regular guy who went to Yale twice. <laughs> People at home
0: are just watching and hoping for a delicious hot dog sausage or a <laughs> beer
1: beverage. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah, Uh, but anyway, so he's talking about this, the the overall strategy and the White House has been doing this for weeks now where they make this false comparison between 100,000 troops engaged in battle every day or nobody and not any of the, you know, myriad options in between that that we could have gone with. And, And the American people polls show, of course, it depends on how you ask the question, but polls show people are fine with getting out of Afghanistan. I'm fine with getting out of Afghanistan, I think. But I don't like the president presenting it like um, it's an all-or-nothing proposition because it's not. Uh, We still have to get to the question of how did the country fall? uh, You know, As soon as the Taliban started running across the country, it took them six days to get from one end to the other. How how the hell did that happen, and how did we miss that? And that hasn't been completely answered yet. And I ended up going back to a book that I've read before called, it's spelled H-U-E the historical capital of Vietnam. Is that pronounced way? It's not pronounced hue. I think it's pronounced way. That sounds right. Yeah. The the book is called way 1968. And it's about the Tet Offensive. So a little history lesson here, if you're too young or weren't paying attention in school or whatever, the Tet Offensive, um, the, uh, the, the, the guys on the other side of the war from us that were wanting to uh, run us out of the country. um, They secretly planned an offensive And all of a sudden, in January of 1968, attacked a hundred cities at one time, overrunning them. And really was the turning point in the Vietnam War. It was absolutely the turning point to where we uh, the, the public opinion switched and we had to get out and all that sort of stuff. But the extent to which we did not see coming... An invasion like that that they had been working on for years really reminded me of Afghanistan. And let me read just a little bit from the book, Way 1968. They're talking about General Westmoreland, who was the guy in charge at the time, the general speaking directly to Lyndon Johnson, the president, as uh, we led up to this. This is in late 1966. This is months before an invasion of a 100 cities occurs. In 1966, late speaking in Manila... Westmoreland summed up his progress by noting a great improvement in kill ratios. The number of enemy killed per allied deaths and claimed successes by every other measure. The number of enemy soldiers who surrender in battles also increased, he said. The number of casualties he leaves on the field of battle rather than carrying them off is rising. The stream of refugees choosing their government security over Viet Cong domination continues to grow. The flow of information about the enemy from the people in the countryside increases weekly. This is in July. This is six months before we're overrun. We have made steady progress in the last two years, especially in the last six months. On his way to the White House visit, uh, Westmoreland had stepped off his plane in Honolulu and told reporters that the war was very, very encouraging. I've never been more encouraged in my four years in Vietnam. This is months before they launch an invasion with thousands and thousands of people that they'd been working on for years and overrun a 100 cities. Um, and to put us on our back feet. And we didn't see it coming at all. The guy in charge was saying the exact opposite. We're on the verge of winning. Things are going absolutely fantastic. Um, and I wanted to skip to one more thing because this really gets to how we ended up where we are in Afghanistan. Um because he was hitting with those, all those statistics to uh, to justify to you know the evening news and to the president of how we we're winning, and it's just a matter of time. In practice, there was every incentive for field commanders to inflate or even invent body counts. It was how their performance was assessed, and it became one of the greatest self-reporting scams in history. Everyone knew what was going on. Some of the more senior commanders discouraged the practice, but it was so widespread and so hard to disprove that few, if any, of the field officers were ever disciplined for it. So they all knew that everybody was lying. It was the only way you could get a promotion. It's the only way you could stay out of trouble. Nobody was ever disciplined for it, and they just kept lying. It sounded exact reading a couple of those pages about Vietnam and particularly in 1968 sounded exactly like the book I was reading last week, the Afghanistan Papers, about the commanders on the ground. They all knew they were lying to their commander, and their commander knew that they were being lied to, and then they would just put it all up the chain to the president who didn't know. Johnson didn't know he was being misled, just like Obama and and, and probably Bush. And Trump also didn't know they were being misled either. Wow. And and so it's clearly just the way it works. And like well, you and said, then you
0: have to add to that, there's another layer of it, because people in charge of an effort, as they're looking down or, or taking information that's coming up to them, they will self-select good news as well. Oh, yeah. To fulfill their own egos or their own hopes or
1: whatever. So it's almost like double filtered bullspit. It actually mentions that at some point and how it was compounding, because at every level you would pick the best of the best information and uh, and send it up the chain. And so the person making the decisions, just like uh, Jake Sullivan was talking about there, Joe Biden had a decision to make. Joe Biden wasn't getting good information. He probably actually didn't have the slightest idea. Of the Taliban's capabilities, just like Lyndon Johnson didn't have the slightest idea of the Viet Cong's capabilities. And so, like Joe said last hour, can we write this on a sticky note and put it on the fridge <laughs> or like on the Oval Office desks? So the whoever president, uh, five years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, doesn't get involved in another quagmire in which all the military people are lying to them about the reality on the ground. Right, right. Well, and then it, it gets even more complicated or, or less reliable
0: in that you have a giant ideological struggle going on in both cases. And in the case of Afghanistan, you have the neocons who believe that they could transport democracy and liberty to the Middle East. And anybody who said you can't is a racist and a bad person and probably hates their country. And so you're appraising evidence Outcomes, etc. While fighting this giant ideological battle, and and we all certainly realized from the Trump years, if if we hadn't realized it before, people will tend to self-select information that backs up their side and ignore everything else.
1: So it was pre-internet back then, but they had the same sort of situation where you'd have uh, General Westmoreland or Lyndon Johnson going on TV and saying things, and the reporters on the ground. Uh, but you wouldn't hear about it for a week because they had to write a column for the Washington Post or whatever. The reporters on the ground would say, that's not what's happening. I'm here and I can see it. For instance, instance, um, I'm looking at some of the responses to the president's speech on uh, Friday in which um, they immediately got – Like, I was watching ABC News and David Muir goes to the guy in country immediately, like seconds after the president speaks and says, is that accurate? No, that's not right at all. So somehow we need to come up with a system where our presidents aren't completely disconnected from what's happening on the ground. Yeah, that's clearly true. We have, you know,
0: an extra feature with this one in that I think the president's disconnected from reality. Or his uh, own cognitive abilities. So that makes it really complicated.
2: Mr. Mr. President, sir, al
0: contraire, sir, al Qaeda is in Afghanistan and so
1: is ISIS. Um, We got to take a break, but I just I found the exact quote, so I thought I'd hit you with it. So uh, the president said the reality on the ground is that these people can't get through. Um, or the the president didn't say that. That's what they said on ABC News. So ABC News, David Muir, who hosted the president's speech on ABC on Friday, the president said he has no intelligence that the Americans have not been able to get to the Kabul airport. The question, obviously, Ian, uh, does that square with your reporting on the ground? Immediately he said, I mean, just totally not, Ian Pinnell said from the ground there in Kabul. After the president speaks, you got somebody there saying, I mean, just totally not. Wow, that's wow. brutal. And what does that do to a, um, our psyche as a country when the president is saying things that are, you can watch it on your TV side by side that you're either being lied to or the guy has no idea what's going on? Like I was talking about with Vietnam, or is it just so clearly already a gigantic
0: hostage crisis that our hapless president's terrified to say anything? I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know. But that was Friday was one of the most
1: astounding performances by a president i've ever seen just strange what's your guess like maliciously lying misled by his own people or senility text line I think 4 you... oh i'm sorry i thought you were asking me go right ahead <laughs> text line
0: 415295kftc i think you've got a guy who's been truth challenged since he was very young now in the grips of dementia and what comes out of his mouth. It's it's like a, a
1: random uh, phrase generator. Who knows what he'll say next? <laughs> random phrase generator. That's not good. Um, we're broadcasting from home because we got exposed to the COVID. I feel fine. You feel fine? Uh,
0: yeah, actually, I'm kind of sniffly, but I'm always kind of sniffly.
1: Uh-oh. Joe's got it. Coronavirus. Know. Hit it, Michael. Coronavirus. 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 Joe's got it. <laughs> I
0: don't think that's a scientifically reliable system you have there. Jack shouts at Michael and Cardi B starts yelling. That's not that's not a test.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong and Getty show.
1: Yo, 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 we're home. We got uh, exposed to COVID. We might both have the dirty Chinese bad flu. The Wuhan lab fever. It's my new nickname for it. I feel as fine as I ever feel at my current age, which is not that good. <laughs> and my current lifestyle. Yes, indeed. So, <laughs> I don't know, honey. I feel sluggish, fuzzy headed,
0: and I have a, a bit of a headache. Uh, anyway uh thank you for tuning in uh regardless of where we are and where you are we appreciate it uh i excuse me i've got to answer this uh garden department can i help you <laughs> yes yes we have a variety of mowers yes we do yes <laughs> yes they're on sale now thank you bye so i was reading more about these people who having been working remotely are working two jobs
1: yeah and you're working two jobs now yeah you're answering exactly, phones yeah. at the hardware store
0: Exactly. I'm working for Lowe's. Um, and, and I found this, this story kind of unintentionally hilarious and interesting and clever. Uh, I wish we had time for the whole thing. And I'm, I'm afraid it's paywall, the, the Wall Street Journal. But they're describing these. There's, well, I'm concerned more about the listener than you. Um, they're, they're describing how they're alone in their home offices, toggling between two laptops. They play Tetris with their calendars, trying to dodge endless meetings. Sometimes they log on two meetings at once on wow. separate laptops and are looking attentively at the screen. They use paid time off, in some cases, to juggle the occasional big project or ramp up at the new gig. Many say they're not even working close to 40 hours a week for both jobs combined. Wow. It's two jobs for one, says a 29-year-old software engineer who's been working simultaneously for two companies since June. He estimates he was logging three to ten hours of actual work per week when he held down one job.
1: The rest of it's just attending meetings and pretending to look busy. Well, I've talked about this before. When I was doing uh, temp work, I'd get hired for places, and I'd get all my work done in like a couple hours and then just kill time the rest of the day. And I thought, how do these other people stretch this into an eight-hour day? Well, a lot of people
0: do. Yeah. Well, so then they get into how inflation is uh, chipping away at people's savings, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, people might want to do this, but the particulars are, are more interesting to me. Uh, here's one guy says, the harder you work, it seems the less you get out of it. People depend on you more, but my paycheck is the same. So there's no lifetime implied employment anymore, not even at IBM, so screw it. I'm in it for myself. Uh, da, da, da.
1: That's um, interesting.
0: Most of them are on track to say they're going to earn well into six figures this year with their two jobs, secret jobs, and, and the things they're buying or, or paying off. Uh, and this one, this couple of guys who do this started a, a website counseling people on how to do it better and how to avoid the pitfalls of it, although many people say it's very
1: stressful for them because they're sure. afraid of getting busted. I'm sure it is. Uh, where's that report? I gave it to Jim. There's no Jim that works here. I mean, the mic. <laughs> Jim is the other place. You'd have to keep. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and they
0: talk about how you can just turn down every single calendar invite for a meeting. Make some uh, excuse. Not enough bandwidth uh, today. I'm <laughs> super busy, whatever. And you just never agree to meetings. And it never seems to come back to haunt you. People wow. just figure, oh, they yep. say, oh, okay, I get it. Just uh, let me know what the X and Y yep. are going to be uh, by the end of tomorrow.
1: That's been my experience when I've had for real problems I like guess.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So new poll out today shows Americans wanted to withdraw from Afghanistan, but they disapprove of the way you've handled it. Poll also found that, based in part on what's transpired in the last week, a majority of Americans—and forgive me, I'm just the messenger—no longer consider you to be competent, focused, or effective in the job. I haven't seen you, that poll. It's out there um, from CBS this morning. Um, <laughs> what would you say to those Americans who no longer believe that you look to the job?
2: I had a basic decision to make. I either withdraw. America from a 20-year war that, depending on whose analysis you accept, cost us $150 million a day for 20 years or $300 million a day for 20 years, who, and I, you know I carry this card to me every day, and who, in fact, uh, where we lost 2,448 Americans dead and 20,722
0: wounded. You know, the first time I heard that tape, the phrase, depending on whose analysis you're... I, I had no idea what he had said. But it was what
1: depending did, on whose analysis you look at, I think. Depending on your analysis. Oh, so he actually pulled a card out of his pocket and wrote those numbers off. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he's, he's said he keeps that card to remind him
0: of the cost yeah, of it. Okay, that's, that's, that's almost touching since, you know, he had a couple of kids in active sure. duty including one who got drummed out for, you know, Yeho, the uh, Peruvian marching powder. but um, uh, The other part was uh, confronting him. Uh, First of all, the reporter apologizing. Forgive me, I'm just the messenger, sir. Right. Majority of Americans don't think you're competent. Well, I had a decision to make, and
1: he just dodged it. Yeah. Um, I thought the press did a pretty good job on Friday. I mean, NPR brought it Mm -hmm. hard. Um, So... Yeah, there was no, there were no softballs there. The press has turned on him, which I'm about to get to uh, a couple of examples of. But this is breaking news. Breaking news, Sounder Michael. This is definitely breaking news. Hello? It's my new band, Tardy Donkey. Um, uh, when breaking news, the donkey brays. Um, we're all broadcasting from home. No, 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 no. When news breaks, the donkey brays. That's okay. the slogan. <laughs> you didn't can't know had, rearrange a slogan. I didn't know we had a slogan. Um, it's the slogan. We're all broadcasting from our own homes today and putting it together through the magic of technology because we got exposed to COVID on Friday. Um that was that person uh vaccinated? Do we know? The person that has the I'm COVID? I'm trying to remember. I
0: don't Duke? I don't know that. Michael, do you know?
1: Yes, that person was vaccinated. Okay, so it's a breakthrough case. Breakthrough, breakthrough case. Anyway, this is the breaking news. Pfizer's vaccine full approval from the FDA for people 16 and older, making it the first to be fully cleared in the United States. I'm t- my team Pfizer or team Moderna? Your team Moderna, you dirty okay, dog. Okay, my Pfizer sucks. Um no, but so <laughs> Pfizer is fully so a lot of y'all have not taken the vaccine because it only had emergency approval it didn't have full approval which i don't believe What's hmm. the best way to say this uh i don't be- I, I, I don't well i don't think that makes sense i mean if you look into what the the approval actually means i mean tim sandifer walked me through this whole and that thing and they convinced me completely but anyway get it or don't it's your choice but there's there you know a lot of people said because it if it had full approval they would take it i don't believe that's true i don't think you're going to see a whole bunch of people getting the vaccine now that it's got full fda approval i don't think it's going to make any difference to the crowd that didn't want to get it although the numbers of the daily uh jabbings have increased a great deal of late in fact they've been over a million a day several times yeah no doubt just in the face of people seeing friends and family members get it so they've thought I better get it. Well, and more and more people getting sick, too.
0: It it seems like a more present threat, I think, the COVID.
1: We got this text. The approval for the Pfizer vaccine that has been rigorously studied for eight months is ridiculous. It's a political ploy to be a backup for employees to demand the shot. You can believe in the shot all you want, but people should be very wary of a government that manipulates people like this one is doing now. What the hell is going on here? So just to give you some view of uh, I got the shot a long time ago and I'm about due for my booster.
0: Well, I've said before, and I will say again, though I have gotten the shot and will get the booster. If you're suspicious of the government, big pharma, the WHO, the the
1: the CDC,
0: yeah, how could you
1: not? I get it. I sympathize. There are. I was talking to a friend, uh, 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 another vaccinated friend. This is somebody who got the vaccination, but talking about the how many bill. We'll probably never know how many billions of dollars flowed from the government taxpayers into these pharmaceutical companies as they're giving out the shots all over the country and around the world billions and billions of dollars so a decision like should people get the booster is not you can try to make it a medical decision but how would you keep the influence of tens of billions maybe hundreds of billions of dollars out of that decision yeah yeah it's true it definitely clouds the waters I uh, just uh, got off the phone with my son. He's uh, headed off to his first day of school. I've always called him on the first day of school. And um, he's headed to sixth grade, which is unimaginable to me. Uh, it's a new school because it's called middle school. Completely different than elementary school. Although you're back it to... Ach- it actually is. Yes, it's I know it is. pretty different. I know yeah. it is. Uh, I, I remember being a kid. Um, and you also go go from being the oldest at your old school, where you were, you know, you were the biggest, toughest, coolest top dogs to strutting around campus, uh, giving a look here, look there, smile of approval. Third graders, am I right? I mean, they're just embarrassing, you say, as a fifth grader walking around (laughs) elementary school. But now you're going to be the We actually watched uh, uh, the episode of um, one of the years of Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which if you haven't seen those movies, they're so freaking good, whether you have kids or not. Those are some great, great movies. Oh, that reminds me. Judy and my new
0: passion on TV, and I have you and a couple other people to thank for it. For it, here's a little hint: Jamie, do 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 Jamie, do 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 We're down with Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good show. Yeah. Most loving. wholesome show in uh, oh. in all of television. It is the most life affirming and wholesome show I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and it and it lands well. I think I, I was sitting there loving it and thinking about why do I need this so much. And, you know, I think
1: the answer is the world we're living in right now. But it is, it is is life-affirming. It's joyful. It's just great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but we were watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and one of the the years is when they go to make the transition from elementary school to middle school, and just the chaos and the hell, and now it's all the, oh, I had my first six or so back to school uh, night last week. I went with Sam to the school, and I saw this for the first time because it was all... Um, Middle school kids, so it's all, what, 6th, 7th, 8th grade? Is that what that is? And uh, I saw my first ever of this. Girl leaned up against the wall with that, I'm so bored with all this look. (laughs) I thought, Mm. I have not seen this before. This is middle school. This is junior high girls versus elementary school girls. She was just so... I'm bored with this, and I'm cool, and this is lame. You can just tell by the look on her face. (laughs) Get used to that look. It's semi-permanent for eight years. Oh, God. It was so funny to see that because I've only seen the cute, happy, excited, holding hands with mom as you walk through the school and check out your classes. You know, kid, all these years. And now it's a, oh, this is lame. Oh, my God, this is so lame. (laughs) I am so above this. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, just yeah. hilarious. But uh, and the girls look more like women at that age. I can see. So that's gonna you know enter into my uh, son's mind. I'm sure at some point if it hasn't already. Anyway, so he's off to school. Um, uh, back to Afghanistan briefly is talking about how the pe- the the press. I thought did a real good job in that press conference on Friday. The press is back at least on this topic. Um, Maggie Haberman. Of the New York Times, who has made a living for the last five years beating up Trump and sometimes making up stories, um, had this headline on Friday in the New York freaking Times, Biden's inaccurate claims in defending Afghanistan withdrawal. That was her headline for her column in the New York Times. That's, that's amazing. The president made misleading or false claims about the reaction of allies to the withdrawal, the presence of Al Qaeda, the presence of Al Qaeda and conditions for Americans traveling to the cool book, Kabul airport. Now, she's 100 percent accurate. Those were all just he he stated 180 degrees, the opposite of what happened. But I didn't think in my life I'd ever see The New York Times, Washington Post do stories like this about a sitting Democrat. Thought that was over. Here's an amazing yeah, I just story. Think,
0: I, I just think the Trump era, people went crazy, and, and some of their tendencies that look permanent just weren't. They've
1: rediscovered their teeth. By the way, coming up, um, Bill Maher did a great thing Friday night about the evils of smartphones and how it's ruining America and turning everyone into a-holes. It's uh, really, really good. We'll get to that next segment. I don't know if you heard this story or not, and I haven't heard anybody say it's not true. It would seem that somebody... Changed the transcript of the phone call between Joe Biden and French President Emmanuel Macron. I don't know if you know how this works, but when the president speaks to a foreign leader, they have uh, they, they make transcripts of it for the archives and then often release the transcripts if they're not secret to the public um, so that we can read them. You'll remember that's what got Trump in trouble with the whole impeachment thing was the transcript with the, uh, the president of Ukraine. The headline from The Guardian, U.S. omits Macron's plea for moral responsibility from the record in Afghanistan call. Apparently, Macron said at some point in the call, we cannot abandon them. We have a moral responsibility. And that particular little bit was taken out of the transcript that the White House released. Now, that's what The Guardian is reporting. I haven't seen it anywhere else. But if that actually happened, that's a huge deal.
0: I'm hoping that didn't happen. I wonder how high a level that was decided on, presuming it's true. Um, Because if if, if that was a deliberate decision made high up, that would suggest that they are thinking, we'll be lucky to get our Americans out. The Afghan translators and the people who helped us and the rest of it, forget it. They're doomed. We're not even going to try. We can't. We don't have time. We don't have power. The
1: Taliban's in charge. That's what that says to me. Hey, so I was thinking about this uh, like in the shower yesterday, running this through my head. Tell me if this is crazy talk or not, if you could do this as president. It would, it would take a little um, – it would take some omission of fault that I don't think any president is ever going to do. Presidents don't admit when they make a mistake. But what if President Biden stood up and said – Look, I've got a message for the Taliban. I'm sending it to them right now, and I'm also sending it to them in private. And I would just like to say to everybody, there are a lot of things we got wrong. Um, a lot of things we got wrong, and people are going to be held to account, and we're going to do a, a, a full review of this in the end. A lot of things that got wrong. I got them th- some things wrong. State Department got some things wrong. Pentagon got some things wrong. This has not gone well, but I just want to make this clear to the Taliban. Look, you harm Americans. And I don't care if it costs me my presidency, I'm going to hunt every one of you down and kill you. I'm going to put 100,000 troops in there. I can make that decision on my own. I don't care if it ends my career. I will hunt every one of you down and kill you all. As long as I'm in this White House. I'm telling you that right now. Why couldn't he say that? I'd love it. I I think that'd be a great thing to say, and, and wouldn't that and work? Be
0: being said in back channels, unless they're just so terrified of the hostage situation that's going on right now. Yeah, I think it will work. If 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 he said, uh, "We'll return in full force. We will deny you running your s hole country out of sheer vengeance." Right. Yeah. Go old school. Like yeah, just out of revenge. Well, it's the only thing they understand or respect.
1: It is. absolutely, And and that's not
0: some sort of belligerent Western white man statement. No, it's clearly true. They're Mm -hmm. a brutal, brutal people.
1: Well, maybe they are making that kind of threat behind the scenes. It's not really scaring them off that much as they're still beating people, whipping them with fan belts. Did you hear that? That's what they use. The fan belts from trucks. That's what they're whipping people with. There are people crushed over the weekend, including a baby. I mean, it's just an awful situation. Yeah,
0: yeah, just miserable and still unfolding. Uh, We probably ought to take a break so we can get to the Bill Maher stuff. It's absolutely terrific. If you haven't heard it, cell phones are, are ruining us. Stay with us.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show. So we're each in our own uh, homes because we got exposed to COVID on Friday. Um, So that's that. Uh, I suppose I should get a test at some point point, see if I actually have COVID. But I'm trying to do that. Come over to my place. I'll, yeah, I think I know how to give it. I've gotten it a couple of times. You just got to stick that thing up far
0: enough. That's the key.
1: So, uh, watching Bill Maher on Friday night on his HBO show, and he had some good stuff on there about Afghanistan and a bunch of different things, but he also got on a rant about cell phones that I thought was real, real good. So let's check that out. Shady, needy,
2: passive-aggressive, mean, and fake. Fake outraged, fake brave, fake pretty, fake supportive. Phones make people fake their lives instead of living their lives. It's more important to get a picture of you looking like you're having a good time than actually having a good time. (laughs) And the pathetic addiction to likes. Did I like my picture of lunch? Maybe it wasn't good enough. Does that mean I'm not good enough? (laughs) Phones have ruined self-esteem, comedy clubs, concerts, (laughs) childhood, attention span, sleep cycles, using toilet time to reflect. Oh, and dating, which has been reduced from a quest for true love to looking at a menu. I think I'll have the Kelly tonight. (laughs) Phones make people bullies, angrier, more vitriolic, more racist online than they would ever dream of being if they had to say those things to someone's face. The phone made us passive aggressive to our friends and hyper aggressive to total strangers. It has two settings, I'll kill you, or you're dead to me. Even texting is too confrontational for most people now. We don't engage with our friends when we disagree, we just walk away. Don't like something? Delete it. Don't want to talk to someone? Don't reply. Just ghost them. Ghosting. It's the electronic equivalent of going out for a pack of smokes and never coming back. (laughs) Cell phones have obliterated courtesy, the fundamental building block of developing any real relationship. We all see it. Groups of friends, out together in a car or eating in a restaurant, and they're all staring down at their phones. Imagine how rude that would be if instead of a phone, you brought a magazine to the table (laughs) and read it during dinner with a friend. (laughs) Many is the night I've wanted to say to someone, can you just put the phone down for a minute? After all, we haven't seen each other in weeks and we're having sex.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's good. He started with uh, and all that. St- he started with a whole bunch of statistics about suicides and depression and all that stuff that we've talked about a lot. And he also uh, mentioned that I realize people are going to say, you know, they said this about radio and TV. And he said, but if you think about it for two seconds, this is clearly different. People weren't addicted to TV the way people are addicted to their phones. Um, and we all know that just intuitively. You didn't drive away from your house with your TV still at the house and think, oh, I don't know about being away from the TV the way we are with our phones. It's it's so crazy unhealthy. And I don't have any idea if human beings are going to just adjust to that, evolve over time, or, or I don't know what's going to happen. Well,
0: the greatest minds of our generation, generations have spent their careers trying to manipulate our brain chemistry into serving their economic uh, purposes. They're making us crazy so they can sell our data and as much as uh, it, if possible, as possible. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm I, addicted. You're addicted. Well, yeah, of all course addicted.
1: we are. And um, the libertarian view is, you know, let people make their own decisions and they, you know, sure, they manipulate potato chips to make them more addictive. But you've got to have the willpower to not eat them. Well, we've got an obesity problem like has never happened in the history of homo sapiens and we're killing ourselves with these phones. What if people actually can't keep themselves from eating the crap or staring at their phone? All part of God's plan. This is what gets us. Not the meteor, not a virus, not, uh, ourselves. We'll make ourselves I, I insane. Ask, I asked this question legitimately, though. Do you just ride the libertarian horse into the ground as humanity disappears? No, no. You empower people to make a decision.
0: Put your phone down. Don't. I don't read comments anymore. I don't count likes. I don't care. I've more or less abandoned Twitter, more or less. I dabble now. Um, you 've got to give people agency or or what 's the point of life if you don't have liberty to get fat and addicted to Facebook and the rest of it you just got to
1: educate yourself and the people you love you' totalitarian yeah i 'm looking around i 'm not sure that 's working uh, our text line is four one five two nine five kFTC strong and Getty